Alrighty, to celebrate the launch of this podcast, we're running an iTunes and Stitcher contest leading up to the first 10 episodes of our show. One lucky winner is going to get an invite to become a founding member of our Founders Connect Inner Circle Mastermind group, which is normally worth 840 USD per year to join. We're also going to give one lucky winner a 30-minute marketing blast off consulting call with myself or a 30-minute ideal relationship coaching call with Cindy. We normally charge $500 per session, so definitely worth it. You can also win user licenses to a couple of our favorite online marketing tools thanks to our awesome contest partners. We will announce the winners on episode 11, so if you'd like to become a founding member of our Founders Connect Inner Circle or get some marketing or relationship coaching, head on over to foundersconnect.co forward slash win to enter now. Welcome to Founders Connect Podcast. We help lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Did you know that approximately 45% of marriages end up in divorce and 65% of all startups fail due to founder conflicts? Well, we're here to change that. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest and practical tips to help you with business, relationships, and sustainable living. Now, let the fun begin! Hi, founders. I'm Cindy. And I'm Anthony. And we're here to talk about how to start a business. Exactly. With? We've got our special guest today on the show. His name is Nahum Kligman. I hope I've got that right. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Just a bit of a background. So Nahum is a visionary entrepreneur, brand builder, marketer, and business consultant through his company, Book Like a Boss. And we're very excited to talk about business building and productivity and all the cool things that very smart and clever entrepreneurs should know about. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. A couple of interesting tidbits I found on your bio was that you were the first person in history to own a pizza store on Rechov Meir, is that Shurim? Meir Shurim. Meir Shurim, <laughs> which is one of the oldest <laughs> Jewish so neighborhoods yeah. in Jerusalem, I believe. Yeah, it's an ultra-Orthodox neighborhood in Jerusalem where they really shy away from any type of places that have social gatherings. A pizza place was pretty much banned for a while until I opened up one. I did that for about a year and then it was banned again. <laughs> Interesting. So what made you want to go and do that? I always wanted to have my own restaurant. And at the time I was a cook in a school and, you know, I always wanted to have my own business. And even as a young kid, I always dabbled in catering. And so, you know, I love people. I love interacting with people. I love, I was always creative and I love creating new dishes, et cetera. And the opportunity came. It was actually someone else had the store and he asked me to come in as a partner. And he had mono, which I didn't know at the time, but about a month later, he had to back out and he sold me his 50% of the store. And that's how I uh, got started with it. Oh, fantastic. So do you have your own like special pizza recipe? <laughs> uh, no, pizza, you know, there's only so much you could do with it. But I did have a couple of creative dishes. One was a recipe called a milky cholent. Probably your listeners are not familiar with cholent, but it's a traditional Jewish dish. And it's usually made with meat, beans, and barley, and potatoes. And I made it, instead of meat, I made it with cheese, mozzarella pizza right. cheese. And it was actually uh, quite tasty. There you go. All right. Now I want to try it. <laughs> I yeah, love it. Better go there and try it. <laughs> okay. So now another interesting bit about you is you also have your own successful weekly podcast called The From or From Entrepreneur. Um, from Entrepreneur. From yeah. Entrepreneur. Okay. Which is consistently one of the top Jewish podcasts on iTunes. Could you just share with us and our audience what is a From Entrepreneur? 
Sure. From Entrepreneur is also the name of my book called The From Entrepreneur. It's really geared towards the Jewish Orthodox audience that I'm most well known in. And from means Orthodox. It means oh. somebody that follows the laws of the Torah. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is I, when I interview different entrepreneurs and talk about business, and in my book itself, I imbue Torah ethics into the discussion. I love that. So we That's get, great. Yeah, we're getting a cultural lesson here right now. So thank you for sharing <laughs> that with us. Pleasure. So, okay, now, Cindy, you've got a question. Of course. I love this question. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how weird are you? <laughs> Depends who you ask. <laughs> uh, I try to hide my weirdness in the public eye. <laughs> but I think everybody, you know, one person's weird is another person's genius, right? And so it really depends on the, who the audience is. If you ask my wife, she'd probably say like 10. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Tell me Yeah, ask my kids. I don't know. I guess uh, I, if you want to say what makes me weird, I don't know if it's weird, but you know, something that helps shape me as a business person is not really caring what other people thought about me. And because I didn't have that, I never held back from doing things or trying things that other people may think is weird or crazy or like, what are you doing type stuff. And so I always stood out from that in my entrepreneurial career when I was a counselor in camp. You know, I did things that people didn't even think about, you know, and I don't know if it's weird or just different, but I like to think differently and do differently. That's totally weird. I agree with your wife. <laughs> well, I think just behind the scenes here, yeah, I think Cindy can resonate with that message. <laughs> that's how she lives her life. Uh, Fantastic. Do you have a quote that drives you? Is there a sort of a quote or a saying or a phrase from your faith or from just somewhere that really drives you as a human being? You know what? There is a great quote. I'm going to give it to you in a second. I'll just say that everybody in life, when you listen to podcasts usually or you read articles about people, you only hear about the good stuff. I mean, sometimes you hear about the challenges and everything, but every single person is uh, human. I mean, that's what makes us people. We all have life's challenges. One of the quotes I really like is, prayer is not to get you out of trouble. Trouble is to get you into prayer. Oh, I like it. And that's by a rabbi named Rabbi Hutner. And it really resonates with me. People think, you know, you have problems and stuff, but really you know, what God wants from us is to connect with him. And sometimes trouble will come in order to get us to connect with him. I think I resonate with that. <laughs> totally yeah. understand. So Cindy's looking at me while she's saying that. So I don't know what she's suggesting. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yes, trouble uh, has come. It definitely it. has come. And saved. <laughs> That's a fantastic quote. Thank you. You're welcome. So who's been your greatest mentor in life or career? And what did you learn from them? That's a great question. The way I'll answer it is I'll tell you, some advice I got that really was life-altering for me. And it happened at a young age. When I was younger, I was bullied a lot as a kid. And, you know, by neighborhood bully. And uh, this is going back, obviously, like 40 years ago. 40? Yeah, maybe starting like 35, 40 years ago. And um, this kid would come and he'd beat me up and make fun of me all the time. And I remember it must have been about 11 years old or so when he beat me up again. And I remember going into my house crying. And my grandmother was in the room and she said to me, she said, why are you crying? I said, because, you know, this guy, he beat me up and he always beats me up and I just can't take it anymore. And she said something to me that was very profound and actually altered my life. She said to me, hit him back. A light bulb went off my eyes and said, I could hit him back? Like, I didn't realize, I didn't know that I could stand up for myself. I didn't know that you could fight off a bully and they could fight back. And So what happened was the next time he attacked me, next time he jumped on me, 
I started pounding him. I just let years of aggression off on him. I started punching him and kicking him and just getting all my frustration out of him. And I remember him, you know, looking up at me after I did this. And he said to me, what took you so long? Oh, wow. And it was very empowering because as I walked away, I realized my life at that point would never be the same. I realized that, wow, I have power. I have strength. I can fight back. I could take this world, you know, by the horns and make it my own. And, you know, I was a pretty good passive kid, very good kid. And so this attitude, actually today we call it bossitude, which we'll get to a little bit later. That's, you know, one of the themes of our company mm-hmm. is having bossitude and everybody being a boss of their lives and, you know, taking control of their lives. But, you know, it got me into a lot of trouble because, you know, with this empowerment just made me feel so powerful that I started not caring what anyone else thought. I didn't care what teachers thought. I didn't care what principals did. I didn't care what my parents did, unfortunately. You know, it was a learning curve. It was a little too much at one time. And, you know, I definitely regret a lot of stuff, you know, from my past. Today, you know, I've definitely toned it down and I realized there is a greater power in this world than you do have to answer for your actions. But at the time, you know, as far as an entrepreneur and starting a business, as uh, Reed Hoffman says from LinkedIn, starting a business is like jumping off a cliff and building an airplane on the way down, right? You have to be a risk taker. You have to be able to put up with the nose and put up with the people that are putting you down saying, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. And uh, whenever I hear that, it just makes me want to do it even more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I'm really connecting to, just thank you for sharing your story, first of all. The part that I really resonate with is how often do we say no to ourselves? Mm -hmm. And and that's a big one that we need to work through. I mean, we've got the external voices, but the internal voice is uh, often louder. Absolutely. I think that's what holds a lot of people back is that they feel they can't succeed. There's a fear of failure. There's a fear of what other people are going to say. Once you remove that, if you don't care what other people are going to say, then, you know, life's the limit. I mean, you can just do whatever you want, obviously, within uh, your religious and legal rules, right? (laughs) But in terms of, you know, holding you back, the things that hold back people, you know, successful entrepreneurs are successful because they're not hold back. Nobody can tell them no. They just move forward and they're not afraid of the no's and they're not afraid of failure, right? If you're not afraid of failure, then you just look at the success. That's what keeps you going, especially through the hard times, which we uh, talked about before. Absolutely. All right. So now let's talk about your bossitude and your, I love that. So what is Book Like a Boss? And for our audience here, how did you guys begin? Great question. So Book Like a Boss started, I had a, it's funny, after being in high tech for about 20 years, you know, one of my children is special needs. He has cerebral palsy and he used to drool a lot and he always wore a bib. And then when he was about 11 years older or so, I said, you know, why should an 11 year old kid be wearing a bib? And I tried to look for alternatives out there. And they basically they had like handkerchiefs or stuff you could wrap around the neck, but there was nothing that was inclusive that, you know, made him feel like everyone else. Yeah. And so I went out to create a shirt that actually had a bib on the inside. So it was quick dry, antibacterial, it was made from bamboo. And it was, you know, something that he could wear and not feel embarrassed. And I actually launched a campaign, a Kickstarter, which did pretty well. And uh, I realized that there was a need, you know, around the world for, you know, good quality shirts that, you know, had the bib on the inside. So I turned the Kickstarter into a company and, uh, you know, this is a long story, so I'll try to make it short. But the bottom line is, you know, manufacturing in China ended up being a nightmare. And I had some bad investors that promised me the world and then broke every promise, like, you know, a month later. And so the company closed down and I'd put like two and a half years and a lot of my life savings into the company. Mm. And, you know, when I was done, you know, when you start a company, you put everything into it, you put your, you know, every second, every 
breath, you know, goes into building the company. It's like another child. And after this one failed, I said, you know what, let me take a break from starting companies. I had a book I wanted to write, which we talked about before in the podcast. And I wanted to do some consulting and help other people before I got back into the grind of starting a company. And what happened was, is because of the book and because of the podcast, I started getting phone calls and emails all the time from people asking me, you know, can I take you out for coffee? Can we do lunch? You know, can I pick your brain, et cetera. And I wish there was a way that I could just send somebody a link that says, hey, this is who I am. Here's my calendar. They could book me and pay for it all in one place. And that way it would cut down on time. And people that were serious about booking me would pay my $200 at the time, $200 an hour fee. They would learn more about me, see testimonials, et cetera. And there was no software that really existed out there that did that. Sure, there were you know calendar apps out there, but I wanted like a full experience. So I tried building it myself in WordPress. And that ended up being a nightmare, trying to get the calendar to work with PayPal and Stripe and get the video to go and look at a mobile and all these different things. And uh, so I said, you know what, let me just ask an expert to do it. And I got a quote for about $3,000. I said, forget, I'm not paying $3,000 just to build this page. And as I'm thinking about this, a friend of mine whose sister is a masseuse emails me and you know, forwards me an email from a sister. And she said, you know what, I'm not technical at all, but is there an easy platform I could just list? These are the massages I offer you know, here's my calendar and let people book me and pay for it all in one place. And when he said it to me, a light bulb went off. And I said, you know what? If I'm as a business coach, as a business consultant has this need, and here's a woman who's a masseuse has this need, you know, the gig economy continues to grow like wildfire. I bet there are probably hundreds of thousands of other people that has this need. And as I'm thinking about it, a good friend of mine who was, you know, treated horribly by a company and had just left the company, he was CTO and they really treated him bad. And he had just left the company and I pitched him on the idea. I said, listen, this is the idea I have. And he absolutely loved it. His name is David. And he loved the idea. And we decided to go into business together. That's how uh, Book Like a Boss got started, to build an easy to use platform to take bookings, sell services and uh, make money. And uh, about three months after that, we brought on our third co-founder, Lloyd Schroeder, who is an awesome designer. And he does all our design and branding for uh, Book Like a Boss. And we're off to the races. How long ago was that? We started about two and a half years ago. Fantastic. Now you've got a team. So is it only the three of you or what's the size of the team at present? So now it's four and we do some outsourcing as well. But we have uh, Donnie, who's our VP of E, our VP of everything. (laughs) That's like Cindy. (laughs) Okay. Did you know that financial intimacy can lead to better sexual intimacy with your significant other? Money is never just about dollars and cents. Money is wrapped up with emotions such as fear, insecurity, envy, and guilt, and attitudes such as control. So want to improve your financial intimacy? Grab our free guide at www.foundersconnect.co forward slash financial intimacy today. You are listening to the Founders Connect podcast, helping lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Now back to the show. And are you all located in the same city or are you around the world? How's the structure of the team? So we're all in Israel. David actually lives about two minute walk away from me. Lloyd lives in a city called Evan Shmuel, which is about 30 minutes away. And Donnie lives about 10 minutes away. Hmm, close Yeah. Do you have your own office? So do you meet every day or do you do things remote? I'm always curious about how teams are structured now. Yeah, so a great question. David, who's you know one of the top programmers I've ever come across and had the privilege to work with, he just needs to be in focus mode. And so he has an office in his home and he just 
you know, he doesn't want to be bothered. Just like lock him up, give him some coffee, you know, and uh, he just does his thing. I think M does the same. Yeah, yeah. Just coffee. Oh, yeah. Put me in a dungeon. Yeah, exactly. So that's what he likes to do. Lloyd likes to work from a cafe, actually. So uh, he works from a cafe and uh, Donnie just travels around place to place and does his thing. Uh, but I have an office um, and we use the office also when we need to meet. We all get together. But really, I mean, we're in communication with each other almost all day using WhatsApp, what we use the most. Brilliant. Now, you mentioned the uh, bossitude. So could you talk about the evolution of that and how that's impacted you as a team? Absolutely. So bossitude is something, again, I've thought about my whole life. And the name really just came to me about a year, year and a half ago. But it's the attitude of, you know, we only have one life to live. And we need to be the boss of our own lives. And you have to treat your life as if it's, you know, a business to an extent, right? That even if you work for somebody else, which, you know, is great and, you know, it's fantastic for a lot of people, but you should think of your job as if you were the boss, as if you owned the company and you should act and work your job as if you were the CEO. And that should be the case in all areas of life, whether it's relationships, friendships, you know, business or fun, your education, direction, whatever you do. You have to have the attitude that you're the CEO of your life, right? And it's having that attitude and not letting people put you down. And that's what gets you moving forward. That's what gets you taking life by the horns and moving forward with it. So Gary Vaynerchuk is uh, somebody I learned a lot from, as I'm sure uh, probably, you know, hundreds of thousands of other people as well. And, you know, he talked a lot about how every company is a media company. And, you know, so part of our long-term strategic goal was to have a media company that was geared towards helping people find their bossitude and help them succeed in their side hustles and in their businesses. And so we created bossitude.com. And if you go to bossitude.com, that's where we have a lot of articles that help a lot of entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and side hustlers. And um, about bossitude, eventually it'll grow into, I'm actually launching a podcast for it in the next couple of weeks. And hopefully we're going to start doing some events and really build a brand about this movement, what I call like the new entrepreneur this movement of people not taking no for an answer and moving forward to lives as entrepreneurs and uh, side hustlers and you know business owners. Wow, that's great. Words and wise words there. So yeah. we have to remember that. So what are the common myths business people make when it comes to productivity and maximizing time? Like what do we use for that? You know, do you see any myths about productivity, seeing that you work in the time oh, myths. and productivity space? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, any sort of myths that you come across? That's a great there? question. I mean, like a lot of entrepreneurs out there, I have a lot of ADHD, so I'm probably not the best at productivity. <laughs> you know, like I'm more visionary in ideas and, you know, it comes down to the nitty gritty details. You know, I always hire other people that help with that because it's not one of my fortes, you know, but there's definitely tools out there that help us with productivity. It's definitely the distraction of social media and smartphones definitely has an impact. And it's not a myth to say that it affects people. You know, you go into a restaurant today, you know, you walk in the streets, even go to a celebration, to a party, and, you know, more than 80% of the people are looking at their phones. And it is very hard to be productive and to get work done if you're always looking at the next message comes in or the next like, you know, and again, it's a deeper discussion in terms of, you know, why are people addicted to social media? The adrenaline rush you get when somebody likes your post, having that need for, you know, people to give you the need for, I guess, empowerment that you get when other people like your posts. And then again, this goes back to what we spoke about earlier, that if you don't have that need, if you don't need that verification from other people, 
well, then you're able to put the social media down a lot easier. And uh, it allows you to be creative that when you do post something, it's something that resonates more with you and it's not for what other people are going to say about it. Yeah, the distinction between doing it for yourself versus doing it for others is a really good one. So that's a really good tip. Now, you've worked on over 20 different businesses and whatnot. So when it comes to starting a new business, what advice do you have around you know, how to choose which projects to go forward with and how to ensure that you're putting enough attention for it to actually grow? So what you're asking is, what are the most important questions anyone could ask someone starting a business? And it's a big mistake that people make. And this is why I actually started getting into consulting because I saw so many people, good people, that were either throwing good money on bad ideas or they weren't the right people to run those ideas. But the first thing that you have to see is, is there somebody that is willing to pay for your product or service at a price point that you could become profitable. And a lot of times people overlook this important step because I always tell people, and I even did it with Book Like a Boss, you know, I went to 20 people and said, hey, if this software existed, would you pay for it? And how much would you pay? Before you do any business, because it could be a good idea and people could say, I love it, but if not willing to pay for it, or the amount of money they're willing to pay for it won't cover your bills, then there's no point in moving forward with it. Unless you have like some genius idea, you know, the one in a million like Snapchat or Facebook or whatever, you know, everybody wants to be the next one. You know, 99.9% people fail doing that because you need so much money, right? You need so much money to get those eyeballs. And that's also one of the things I did differently. You know, all the businesses and experiences that I had, you know, led up to Book Like a Boss. And when we created Book Like a Boss, that's actually one of the reasons why the name is Book Like a Boss because we wanted to be bosses and we want to do things our own way. And my life, I've gotten taken advantage by investors in the past. In this business, we decided to do something that can make money from day one. So we made sure that there was a way to monetize and it wasn't just about advertising around it. And really, since we launched about a year and a half ago, we've been earning revenue and making money ever since. So take us back to that sort of initial ideation stage and I guess what you're calling the validation. When you're asking people, you know, how much would you pay for this? I've often come across where people don't actually know what they'd pay for it because they don't know what the value of it is. So, you know, case in point for a book like a bus, you know, there's other tools out there. Like you said, there are calendar tools. So people would say, well, I can get this calendar tool for free. Why would I pay for a book like a boss? So how did you sort of handle that when you started the business? Great question. So we always positioned it, even though when we launched and as part of our launch strategy, we always positioned it as a calendar app for the last year or so. But when talking to people, you know, we went with the overall vision and, you know, entrepreneurship and startups is a game and sometimes takes a long time to play and you have to have a long-term strategy. And so from the beginning, it wasn't just about a calendar app. You know, even in the beginning, when we first came up with the idea, it was more to focus on selling services, not on scheduled bookings. But what we saw from the beginning was that people had a hard time understanding, what do you mean selling services? But everybody understood about having calendar app. But when I was pitching people in those early days and asking them, and I asked this masseuse, and she had this need, she said, I, if I created this platform that was very easy to use, you know, would you pay $20 a month for it? You know, if it meant getting bookings, if it meant checking your orders and seeing your clients and having some marketing tools and, you know, it just worked great and, you know, worked out of the box and was looked good on mobile. And she said, absolutely. You know, because with one booking, it could pay for three, four months of the software. So I knew that if we could bring value and bring things that no one else is offering, you know, selling it at a price point for any small business, you know, as $20, $30, $40 a month, it really becomes a no-brainer for what it does. 
I really like that approach. Work now you've got a team of four, you mentioned. What's worked best for you guys in terms of generating new leads for your business? You know, thank God we've grown to over 12,000 users in over 100 countries in the last year and a half since we launched our MVP. And we really have been bootstrapping. We've turned down offers. We've turned down a million-dollar offer, a million-dollar investment for the company. So we haven't really put any money in marketing. Everything we've achieved until now was all, you know, done through word of mouth. And, you know, it was the viral effect of having a powered by book like a boss in the bottom of our users' pages. And also when an email confirmation went out for a booking from any of our clients, or if they embed it on their websites, their calendars, or if reminder emails went out, it always had like a little powered by book like a boss. We do have a top plan where you can remove that branding. But for the most part, especially in the early days, 90% of our users had this powered by book like a boss. And so we've been getting a lot of traffic and we've been growing virally without actually spending any money on marketing. Fantastic. Yep, definitely great. I like it. It's very simple. And I think that fact escapes a lot of people is to keep it very simple. (laughs) And that's why it's working for you. Now, I know you also have an affiliate program. Is that working the way you want it or is there still room for improvement there for you? That's a great question. Yeah, if you go to makemoneylikeaboss.com, that's our affiliate program. We do have over 1,200 registered users. Because what we did was we said, hey, you know, keep the Power by Book Like a Boss.com, you know, Power by Book Like a Boss logo in your page. But if somebody clicks on your page and ends up, you know, buying our software, you'll get a commission on it. So we have paid out thousands and thousands of dollars in commissions, but we haven't really figured out the best way to help our users. Like giving them banner ads is nice, but how can we really take our affiliate program to the next level is something we're still trying to figure out. Okay. Well, we'll have to think about that. I might throw some ideas your way. You are listening to the Founders Connect podcast, helping lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Now back to the show. What bullshit do you see going around your industry that you disagree with, Nachum? Since starting Book Like a Boss, I've become a huge fan of SaaS companies. And, you know, I just came back from SaaS Stock 2018 in Dublin, which was an amazing conference of thousands of people in the software as a service industry. And I think there is no better model today than a SaaS model. It's just brilliant. You know, whether you charge $30 a month or you charge $3,000 a month, having software that many people can use from around the world, you know, without having to manufacture anything, without having to do shipping, you have consistent income that you can count on and, you know, you just really have to concentrate on growth. It's just a very, very exciting model. You know, even though I still have a desire to open up a steakhouse one day, you know, and I have other entrepreneurial ideas. If I do those things, those projects will be out of love. But if I started another company, again, it would definitely be in the SaaS area. I just think the model is brilliant. So what do you see are some of the pitfalls? So having built your own SaaS, you know, and probably others that you've worked on, what are some common pitfalls entrepreneurs get into when they're trying to develop a SaaS product and put it out there? I may uh, be putting myself down in answering this, but there's always a fight between, you know, launching too early or, you know, feature creep, you know, trying to get one more feature out, et cetera. And it takes a lot of patience to build a company. It doesn't happen overnight. We've been doing this for two and a half years, which, you know, in SaaS time or startup time, it's not a long time. But when you're somebody like me that just wants to have everything ready and just wants to get everything out and give our clients everything they want, you know, it hurts me when a client wants something and I can't give it to them right away, especially today. Everything is push button. You know, we want results today. And so when we have clients and users that want certain features and I can't give it to them, it's painful. And it's also painful that things just take time. You know, it just takes time to build proper software and to do it right and to do it without bugs. 
And so my team understands that. And David obviously understands that. He's the one building it. And, you know, throwing resources at it is not always the best answer. And it's also, you know, if we would have taken the million dollar investment, probably could have hired some other top developers, but we didn't do this or build this to give away, you know, at that time, the guy wanted 40% of the company. So it's that fine combination of being bootstrapped, trying to keep control of your company while still moving forward and trying to give your customers what they want. But sometimes people wait too long before launching. For us, you know, I held back from marketing and really pushing the product until we had certain features ready that would make us competitive out there. At this point, I actually feel that we are more than competitive. We have features that no one else has and yet everything else that everyone else has. And we see every day people leaving a lot of our competitors and joining us. But I would say, don't wait. You know, Don't wait to get the first version out. And when we did launch a year and a half ago, we have about 30 features, 30 top quality good features out today that we didn't have when we first launched. And if we would have held back, if we would have waited till we had these things, who knows if we'd be where we are today. Yeah, I would have suffered from analysis paralysis like a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing that. So what is the five-year plan if you have one for Book Like a Boss? Where do you guys want to take the company? I'll try to answer that without being too detailed because we do have a vision and we do have ideas and we know where we want to take it. It's going to actually be awesome. And really what we just did and what we produced today is really just getting started. It's like the foundation, but there is so much more we're going to be doing with the platform but I don't want to give too much details publicly. <laughs> Coming soon, Just, okay. Simply because we know that our competition is watching us closely. A few of them, we know that for a fact. So I don't want to give too much away in terms of strategy, what we're going to be doing. But the goal really, you know, five years from now, we hope to have a couple million users around the world using us as the platform to sell services and take bookings. And even today, like, you know, there was a lot of things that I did to put, you know, talking about foundation and preparing for global the mindset has always been global. Even though a lot of people say and preach, hey, stay niche, stay small, stick to one user type, one customer type. But we have thousands and thousands of users from around the world of every age and you know, men, women, and children, college kids, seniors. I mean, everybody uses the platform in so many different ways. So it's very hard to hone in. And I wanted to make it global from the beginning. So right now, like our website can be used, our software can be used in German, French, Spanish, and English with over 15 different currencies. And we hope to you know, eventually add more languages and really make it a global software company. I love the vision. I love that. So what's, is there any one, at least a feature on the roadmap in the next 12 months that you can share with us that you're quite excited yeah, sure. about? One that I'm very excited about is what we call enterprise. Right now, we built a software for the solo entrepreneur or the individual user, the side hustler in mind. But we've gotten tremendous requests to be able to have multiple people on a team use the software. So like if you're a law office and you have, you know, 15 lawyers working for you to be able to have one account, but to give each lawyer their own booking page, that's going to be the foundation of our enterprise software. And uh, the first version uh, has been written out and scoped out. And uh, we hope to start building that in the next month or so. That's definitely exciting. All right. So Cindy, you've got a question, Nakum. Yes. This question is about What's the biggest challenge you have running your own business and maintaining a happy and healthy relationship with your wife and family? So that's a great question because on the one hand, being an entrepreneur and starting a business, you have to be all in. On the other half is that you have to always remember what's really important in life and your purpose in life. It is a tough balance, but I'd say there's two things. First of all, before going anywhere, 
and I mentioned this in my book as well, is one of the most important things that you need to succeed as an entrepreneur is to have a spouse that is fully behind you. And I've been blessed with my wife, who has just always been the foundation, has always been the wind beneath my wings, who never, ever once, you know, we're married almost 20 years now, through all the hard times and the failures and the challenges, she never once said the word to me, get a job. She knew and understood who I was and who I am and was my support system and always believed in me. And so having a spouse that believes in you and is your strength is tremendously important to being successful. So that being said, I always make time for the kids between, let's say, 6 and 7.30. You know, I come home, have dinner with them or watch them have dinner. I should say I usually eat a little bit later. But, you know, there to talk about their day, give them hugs and kisses and, you know, make sure I'm always there for them every single day. They didn't know they could speak to me and have time with me. And then also, you know, being a Sabbath observer from Friday night till Saturday night, you know, it's 25 hours where there's no computers, no cell phones, no distractions. It's really just a time of, you know, we have three big meals together as a family. And, you know, we spend a lot of time in prayer and synagogue. And it's really great time to bond with each other. And of course, you know, extra holidays thrown in throughout the year adds to that. You know, one of the things that I've worked on is that when a kid comes to me, make sure my phone is down and also that I'm with them to put my phone away so that they know that the focus is on them. That's a great tip, isn't it? Put your phone away. (laughs) (laughs) Getting harder and harder for a lot of us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely a challenge. All right, so we're going to just wrap up here. Really appreciate the conversation so far, Nakum. What's one book or resource that is rarely mentioned that has made a significant impact on your life or your business? That is a great question. All the popular ones, I guess you don't want. I haven't had time to think about this, but I'll state the obvious, which for me is, you know, the Torah, the Bible, just because that, you know, affects every moment of my day. And it affects how, you know, I relate to people, how we treat people you know, treating people how you want to be treated, the respect that you have to have. I remember one horrible story. You know, a friend of mine was uh, working in a restaurant and she messed up an order or something and the boss yelled at her in front of the customers and she was mortified. And, you know, embarrassing somebody publicly is like killing them. It's like one of the worst things you could do. And I think one of the things we all have to be humble, we all have to realize and know that it doesn't matter if you're the boss or if you're, you know, extremely successful nobody is better than anyone else. It doesn't matter if it's a waitress and you're the CEO or if it's somebody that works for you. Everybody is just as important. Everybody has family. Everybody was created in the image of God. Everybody has the right to be treated with respect. You know, so I, I think you know, as I go about my business day and I interact with people, I always try to be the best I can be and treat everybody with the love and respect that they deserve. And I think in a lot of ways, that's actually, you know, in terms of my networking, I think that's actually what's led to a lot of the fantastic relationships I have today. I think that's so true, though. If you treat the way you want to be treated, then definitely the world will be a fantastic place. Absolutely. So after all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? I guess I want to be remembered for somebody that gave back and was able to help other people. You know, one of life's challenges is being able to support yourself and support your family. There's a lot of poverty around the world, a lot of hardships around the world that affects everybody. But if I could somehow make a dent by helping other people be successful in businesses and starting their own business, which obviously when you start a business or create a company, you know, that creates jobs. If I could help other people do that successfully, then I'd be a happy man. 
Well, all I can say is uh, you're on your way, my friend. Um, well done. <laughs> and uh, thank you. Just so sort of quickly, you've got eight kids you mentioned before the call. So are any of those uh, looking like they're going to be entrepreneurs? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Is that? <laughs> Uh, Yeah, actually, a couple of them, I think my middle sons are very entrepreneurial, which I try to shy them away from. (laughs) You know, I'd rather concentrate on their school and on their studies. But my son, Yitzi, he's 11 going on uh, 15. You know, he's always hustling and selling stickers or, you know, (laughs) selling uh, cards and all these different things. But, uh, you know, I guess they love me and they want to, you know, kids emulate their parents. So. I guess there's no going around that. And truth is, you know, I would tell my kids I'd rather them start their own business and make their own impact than working for someone else if they had to. There you go. Nakum, thank you so much for your time. We love Book Like a Boss. Obviously, we are one of your customers and also we appreciate partnering with you for our giveaway. So for everyone listening, go check out our contest page where you can actually win a license to Book Like a Boss and actually experience the amazing software for yourself. Any last words before we sign off? I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the initiative and um, thank you for including us as part of the contest. You guys, we're, you know, we're on the same mission, helping people and helping founders and learning from each other. So just really thank you for the initiative and thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And we will definitely have to check out more of your uh, Bossitude website and mission. And uh, we'd love to join in on that any way we can. Thank you for your Awesome. Time. Thank, you so, thank you so much. So that was our interview with Nakum from Book Like a Boss. And uh, what did you think of that interview? What did you learn from that one, Cindy? I like the bostitude term, the way he said it. I think the way you live your life should be the boss of your life. That is a great way to turn it around and have that kind of thought. So if everybody were to be the boss of their life, I think the world would be a very, very different place. I totally agree. It's all about the attitude you bring, especially in tough circumstances like Nakum experience, being bullied as a kid and learning that when you stand up for what you want and who you are, there's nothing stopping you, really. And that's a very powerful attitude to have. I love that they're doing a movement around that. And so the key lesson I took away from that was just around starting a new business and um, really making sure that you very early on go out and validate the idea, which means you go and talk to a bunch of people and ask them, would you buy this and how much would you pay for it? And if you can, get them to give you some money right away for it. So if you have enough, you know, 10 or 20 people like Nakum did with Book Like a Boss, uh, then that's a good sign for you to move forward to start building the thing, right? So whether it's a product or a service, and that's something that a lot of business owners or want to be business owners don't do. And they get so busy doing content and everything else, but they actually avoid talking to the potential customers. So that's my takeaway and a uh, very, very cool guy to have on our show and also one of our great partners for our giveaway. Yes, thank you, Nakum, for that. In our next episode, we're talking all about repurposing content and the three places your podcast must be to maximize your reach with special guest Hani Muri from Repurpose.io. And remember to live passionately, purposefully, and confidently. Till next time, 